The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. Yo, my homies, welcome to Brutal Nation. I'm your man, DJ Scott. And right across from me is the one, the only, the has no rhythm, Tammy, that does not have a gangster card, Underwood. What up, girl? I don't carry a ghetto card anymore because I'm a lifetime member. You only think you are, girl. Waka, 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 wah, wah, wah. No, I can't beatbox or nothing. Because <laughs> we're white, that's why. That's right. I know some white people think I'm really beatbox, though. I yeah, mean, damn. No. So, you had to take on this call from Keith by yourself. Yes, I did. I had to field the calls for Keith by myself this week because... For people who don't know, we experienced a rare late winter snowstorm. Ten and a half freaking inches of snow, dude. Yeah, Scott, you haven't heard ten and a half referred to inches that referred to you anything near you in a long time. But yeah, Ouch, you are such a twat. I can't help it. I try. I try. I I only get them in occasionally. I'm like, <laughs> that's you. true. I'm a dick all the time. You are. You. I mean, constantly. But no. Yeah, so we had that rare snowstorm, and so your your overnights are usually Thursday to Friday morning, and this last week it was Friday to Saturday. So, yeah, I had to field the calls myself, and they were interesting, very interesting. That's what you were telling me. I can't wait to hear the episode yeah. myself. Yeah. Um, I just haven't had time to sit there and review it. And as a matter of fact, this is one of the only episodes uh, when, when Keith calls in or, or any serial killer or person calls in, like you know when Briar called in, that we actually have to totally engineer. We do. We, yeah, because yeah, we have to remit. I mean, we have to like put the tracks together and everything. We don't really, we don't edit anything out. No, it's just all the same. Except stuff. for the, the dead air. Yeah. But yeah, so we don't edit anything out. But yeah, we have to put the tracks together and everything. Thank God you do it because, you know, I'm already at wit's end right now. <laughs> this is the first time this has ever happened to me with the software that we used, though, that it dumped the entire freaking episode. All we needed to do was an outro on it. Yeah. And it dumped the whole thing. I'm sitting there going, oh, shit. See, that would have made me mad because th- this call, I mean, the, especially the second one, was a pivotal moment. And I had an epiphany during it. And I should have said something while he was on the air, but I didn't really process, you know, because, you know, I process things a little later. Because, right. you know, I'll, I'll take in what people are saying, but I'll, like, replay it in my head and it, like, processes differently. And I'll be like, oh, crap, is that what was happening? Right, right. So, Yeah. So, yeah, I, I really did have an epiphany, and I want people to hear it, and then I'll tell you what my epiphany was in the outro, but yeah. Okay, no, makes sense. Yeah, because I don't want to taint people's thought process. <laughs> the taint? I knew you were going to go there. The space between your vagina and your asshole? I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> good times, good times. Yeah, like George Carlin says, 71 is my new favorite number, because that's 69 with two thumbs up your ass. That's why you <laughs> sent me that, you sick fucker. So yeah. I was sitting because uh, so here's what Squatch sends me. She says, "I want to try 71." <laughs> and I paused. I'm driving. And I'm paused. I thought, I know what 69 is, and I've made jokes about 6.9, which is 69 interrupted by an, uh, a period. A yes. Period. Yes. A 68, which is 69, but I owe you one. That's right. Right. And right. I, and something told me, "Don't ask, dude. Just don't ask." What the hell's a 71? And that's what she lays on me. Like, <laughs> it's it. a 69 with two thumbs up your ass. Yep. 
I loved it. I had to do it because I was like, oh, Scott's going to love that one. Oh, my God. That one is awesome. I'm stuck. And I was stuck on that and Clam Slam. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You say that a lot lately. Because I saw that. It got sent to me uh, by, I think it was Jen Dahl, uh, through TikTok. And a guy said, did you know when you sit on my face, it's called a Clam Slam to his wife? I said, oh, my God, I'm stuck on that. <laughs> I, cannot, I, you know, I cannot get over it now. It's like you say it. I'm like, ew. I think it's awesome. <laughs> so, of course, I had to send that to your mom, and your mom said, uh-huh. Whatever. Stop that. <laughs> she oh, knows what's on my spaghetti. Up. Oh, she she might, too. I'm just <laughs> saying. She's choked on the noodle. What? <laughs> she might be choking on my noodle of love. <laughs> I'm going to give her the man of Scotty. Ew. You're so You ruined everything for me. <laughs> ruined everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, man! Listen to Keith's calls. At least they're at least somewhat sane. <laughs> Holy shit! All right, let's get to the calls. You okay. May begin speaking now. Good morning, Keith. Morning. <laughs> You're a little late. Well, you know what? I had it on the other thing, and I didn't know I was on the wrong one until I was talking to Scott because he's like headed back from Bale, Oregon. And I was like, Yeah, well, I tried to Keith? call Scott, too. Oh, he might have been over the mountains, because him and I were cutting in and out, so. <laughs> All right. But, yeah, and they go, I haven't heard from him, and I could literally fall asleep sitting in your chair, because I'm sitting in Scott's chair right now. And he goes, are you on the right one? And I told him, he goes, you're not on the right one. So we had to quickly change over. Yeah, well, I, I tried from quarter chill until now, and I thought, this was going to be the last call. If I couldn't get you on at 8.15, I figured you weren't there. <laughs> no, I'm I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> Sorry okay, about so, that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this last week was a little hectic. Um, I couldn't I couldn't contact you because I was sitting on a catheter. Yeah, I was going to ask you how you're doing because we heard uh, well, Scott told me you were sick. Yeah, well, see, I had, uh, I had a urinary tract infection. Oh wow! My, my second one in about three months. Oh wow! And uh, and so yeah, so I was I was uh, I was on antibiotics and I was uh, I wasn't peeing, I wasn't discharging. Oh wow! So Wednesday night, last you know, a week ago Wednesday, I was I I I, I wanted to go, I needed to go, and it hurt and everything like that, but I couldn't go, and all night long I couldn't go. Come about. Uh, six o'clock I went to the triage and they got me up there at nine o'clock and I'm laying on the table and they got this uh, scope on there and they're finding out that I have like over one and a half liters of fluid stuck in my bladder and, oh, wow. and, and everything else is swollen and, and everything's hurting my kidneys and everything and so everything's about ready to shut down and then the nurse comes in and, and she's got a catheter and she pokes it in me Ooh, ouch. And if you ever had oh, yes. it, went, <laughs> it went, went in about halfway, and then you pull it back out because it's all full of blood. Oh, wow. And then the second, second she grabs another catheter and pushes that one in. It goes in about three-quarters of the way in, pulls that sucker out, and it's all full of blood. Oh, and no. finally, a couple other nurses, they come on over, and they say, well, let's us give it a try. And they grab one, and they push it all the way in, and... It was like a gusher, like, uh, you know, Yellowstone. Oh, up, yeah. Up comes Old Faithful. 
<laughs> and splashes everybody with blood and pee and stuff. Oh. And, and I am feeling a lot better by then. Well, that, well, everything that's good. is sore, but, there, but the, because yeah. there was so much blood, they decided to take me downtown to the emergency hospital oh. downtown. Oh, wow. So they transport me down there, and I get there, and uh, I spend about an hour processing. They get me in a, in a room. You know, I'm chained up. You know, I, mean, I, I got a belly chain on and leg irons and stuff. And so they they, they think that I'm going to run away from them if a catheter stuck in me or something. <laughs> right, I don't know. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, so another nurse comes in, and she's got another catheter, and she takes that one, and they had removed the, the third one, and they pushed this other one in, and it's bigger yet. It's like a, a two-way catheter, and it goes in there, and, and uh, it's all hooked up, and about a half hour later, she comes back in and says, we made a mistake. And I said, what's that? She says, we have to pull that catheter back out, and we've got to put in a three-way catheter, oh, no. which means now they're, they jam this other one about twice the size in me, so I'm I'm literally being raped by a catheter. (laughs) No, I feel for you. I feel for you because I hate them. Scott and I talk about it all the time. I'm like, that is like the worst thing ever. Yeah, it's the worst pain ever. So so they they jam jam this thing in me and they use about a gallon of, of saline solution to flush the poison out of me. Wow. So I'm sitting there for, and I was there last Thursday, week ago Thursday, I was there from about, uh, I got out of the hospital at about 11.30 in the morning, and uh, by 1 o'clock they had the, the last one, the fifth catheter finally put in there, and they were draining me. Mm-hmm. And I stayed there till 7 o'clock that night before they released me to come back to prison. Wow. And then, when, then the following day on Friday, they call me up the office up there, and I, they, they look at the, the urine I'm, I'm discharging, which is clear now. I'm taking antibiotics, and mm. uh, it's it just I can't sleep on my side because of the damn thing in me. I, I have to sleep on back now. The, the doctor says, well, we can take it out tomorrow, but I don't want to take it out tomorrow, so we're going to just leave it in over the weekend, and I'll do it Monday. And then I said, wasn't Monday a holiday? And she said, oh, yeah, that's right. We're going to have to do it on Tuesday. So they pushed it off till the 21st. Now I get up there and uh, about noon on the 21st, and I was going to say probably the most beautiful nurse I've ever seen walks in there, and she's going to be the one that's going to grab on the end of my PB. <laughs> and grab on to the. <laughs> grab on to I like the, how you put that. Just <laughs> <laughs> play with my peepee. Yeah. And she's going to grab on to this catheter, and she's going to rip the son of a bitch out of me. Out of me. Mm. And I was willingly allowing her to do this because I was just looking into her pretty blue eyes. Right? Oh wow. <laughs> Or, or are they brown? I don't know, but they were pretty eyes. They were pretty eyes. That's just just, and, and she was standing over me, and I was laying on the table, and I dropped my pants and dropped my underwear, and I exposed myself to Almighty. <laughs> and she grabbed on with this, with with, with oh. all her strength, and 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 exited the catheter from me, which I felt very relieved at the process, and it all worked, and uh, I. I could think of things sexually, but I couldn't get it up, right? Right, right, right. No, yeah. No, totally, totally. <laughs> now, the one good positive note of this whole thing, Tammy, you might understand, is that for all the last 28 years, I never had a girl play with my pee-pee that long. 
Oh my, oh my God, so I, I can't even right now. <laughs> note, it was a positive notice that I had actually one of the most beautiful women in the world grabbing onto me and playing with me, but I couldn't do nothing about her. Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> there, there I go. But one of the things I want to well, really push on this is that I have a great admiration for the nursing industry. Oh, yes, and yes. The fact that in the, and the very fact, and there's a lot of people in here in prison that, that say they don't get the quality of you know, uh, medical care and stuff like they, they're supposed to be getting. I'll, I'll have to debate with them on that because I believe that they, they showed complete professionalism in this. Right. And uh, everything was on the up and up. There was none of this uh, joking around and saying how small I was at the time or, or how big it was or right. whatever this was or what, you know, Size doesn't matter. Whatever, I don't give a shit. Right. They and left every. They yeah. left all the jokes aside. All the right. jokes aside, and they came at me professionally, and they treated me with kid gloves, basically. Well, I know what I know. Yeah. That's and, and the medical staff, and I've told them this. I said, I really appreciate your. You know, you've really looked after me really, really well. Considering now, they don't want to know why we're in prison. The, right, that's the true. medical staff, and if they do not want to know, they don't care. Right. They're there to provide us a service, and that's how we have to look at it. Right. We don't. We can't go up there and talk about our crimes because they're not interested. All they're interested in is giving us quality care. Right. And that's what the prison does. That's what this does. And anyone that wants to argue to say, well, we don't get the quality care that we should be getting, well, they're full of shit. Well, see, you know, and that's, they yeah. want more than what it is. Well, see, and I ran into that when I was, I mean, I did have an issue with a couple of things when I was in there, but I got into a debate with somebody the other day, and they're like, you know, well, inmates don't get quality care. I said, you know what? I had better care when I was in there than I do on the streets with state-funded health care. <laughs> yeah. You know. Now I, now, I know the names of these people that, that helped me up there, and I'm right. not going to name their names right. because of respect. I mean, this isn't, you know. Right. No, I get I don't, it. I don't fantasize over you know whatever. This is yeah. this is there. But I was, it was it, the irony of it all is that I had this, <laughs> probably the most beautiful nurse I've ever seen <laughs> grabbing onto me and and knowing full well that that's what her job was and she was taking it completely professional and she wasn't making any right. odd comments or anything like that. This was her job. This is what she did. Right, and and I have a my youngest daughter Carrie. She's a she's an RN up there in Spokane, Washington, and and I I, I completely now I completely understand her the way she's at. But yeah, wow. I mean, yeah, I completely appreciate the, the what they jobs they do. Yeah, well, and yeah. I was going to say, Scott, might argue with you about the most beautiful nurse, because my mom's a retired nurse, and Scott's infatuated with her, so. <laughs> okay, well, I haven't seen your mom. <laughs> I know, no, I was like, I had to put that in there, because I know he's going to listen to this later, so. <laughs> All right, so anyway, we want to move on with this, the, mm-hmm. with what we're talking about, but I want to go back to uh, the second murder, and then right. there's a lot of things we need to touch in on, uh, because of how it how it played out. Right. That, you know, yeah, because uh, I know that we kind of like touched on that a little bit um, the the last time we talked. But yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So this is a, this is kind of like a. I want to understand. Most people don't. You know, they always want to dwell on that. How long did it take before you killed the next one and this one and this one and 
you know, uh, I right. killed the Bennett. The Bennett murder happened in 1990, and then, and it's, then in 1992, I picked it back up, and I, I killed again. So that was about two and a half years later. Right. It wasn't like, all of a sudden, it was like overnight, I was in infatuation to go after and kill someone. Right. So, yeah, so I, I went ahead, and, and, and so in the second murder, uh, we talked about, you know, I left the body there on north of Blythe. Right. And it, was, it took about two weeks. It was there for about two weeks before it was discovered. Oh, wow. Now, at, at about, you know, and when they found it, it was deco- badly decomposed. But right. basically around that very same time they discovered it, at that two weeks later, that's when I killed my third. Oh, wow. So that gives a timeline. There's a timeline there where uh, right in that thing where where, where the, the second one happened and the third one happened within a couple of weeks of each other. Right, right. And that gives a timeline when they, on the third one, where we, we're going to get into the third one, is that where they're looking at uh, a different body instead of the one I put there. But anyway, right, that's the, um, yeah, so, yeah now, the Cynthia you know, Rose the, or whatever. One of, the, one of the things that people ask is, what about that full-grown smoky bear that was parked on the, next to me when yeah. I offered him a Coke, right? So this guy was, uh, was identified. They they actually they, they 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 talked to him. He was uh, he he knew all about what I was talking about. He, he admitted that I offered a coke and everything like that. He remembered everything, but he didn't want to be known to be the person that I talked to because he didn't you know I I had this body in my you know ten feet away and he didn't under, he didn't know it. Right. He's so wanting he to let the killer be, go. Right. He didn't want to be. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. didn't want to be slapped on the side of the face with some of his his, his, his co-workers saying, you should have known better. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. How would you know? Not I mean, that's the life. question. How would you know? You know? You wouldn't know. I yeah, mean, exactly. And, and right after I killed Bennett, I talked to cops right after that, and they didn't know. I mean, this is this yeah. is kind of like almost my motive operandi where now, as, as, as a serial, we, we have a tendency to change our our, our way of dealing with things because it's like in my first one it just happened and then right. the second one I, I decided I was going to kidnap her and then of course that didn't work out right and then I, I decided that on my third one what I would do is I would I would I only wanted to be with people that you know I only wanted to deal with people that wanted to be with me right you know on on their personal note that they they wanted to be there I didn't want to force them to be there because. I've all, I would have to look over my shoulder next time. You know, they'd run away or something like that. I didn't want to deal with that. Right. Because I wanted them to feel at ease being around me. Right. Okay. That, that's that's where my progression went. Okay. But in dealing with in dealing with this this second one here, uh, in 1996, my my attorney Tom Phelan, he set up a deal to a life sentence. You know, they came. They came to me with photos that from airplane, airplane photos, all things. You know, I drove truck for a living. I didn't fly in there. Right. You know, I didn't fly around the area. But they came to me with aerial photography, and they said, "Well, where's the body at?" And you know, I said, "Well, I I pinpointed where it was, and then uh, within minutes they had X marks the spot, and and right. one of them said the other says it doesn't get any easier, and all this kind of thing." But that's <laughs> right. all right. Okay, it, it, the case was done. I was, I was, I had this deal in writing. Everything's supposed to work, and everything's going to push forward. But the, the, 
the legal system runs very slowly, as as you well know. Right, exactly. They, nothing happens overnight. I thought it would all be taken care of, and, <laughs> but nothing happens no. overnight. But then we go down the we go down the road, and in two thousand and nine, so see, then nineteen ninety six the deal was made. But in two thousand and nine, my daughter Melissa. And my ex-wife and Don Flago all appeared on the Oprah show right. along with Dr. Phil. And by then I had five murder convictions. But right. because of Oprah, Riverside now felt, you know, this is Riverside, my second murder, now felt a need to prosecute me uh, to death. Okay. They wanted to they wanted to throw the case that, you know, the, the life sentence out and they wanted to come at me with a death sentence. Oh wow. Now here's here's where here's where it gets technical. Okay, mm-hmm. so I was in San Jose, California, in 2007, settling my fifth murder conviction. That was the Don. That was the uh, Patricia Skipple case. Okay, yeah. Which is my fifth one. Okay, so right. I was there settling that one there, and at the very same time, we contacted, you know, Merced County uh, for my third one, and then Riverside County at the same time, and not, and both of them didn't want to settle. They wanted to leave it alone. Okay. Uh, they believed that I had too, it was doing too much time, right. and they didn't want to spend the money for it and stuff. But, but be, and the re, the residents of Riverside, the taxpayers were, were weren't on board to even bring me there to take the deal. Right. Okay. So, but because of Oprah and Melissa, Riverside now wanted to take me to trial. They didn't. They they and they contacted my attorney. They. They wanted to use what I said in the Happy Face Killer letter uh, in 1994 as evidence. Right. Uh, the, the kidnapping, four days, sex slave, coyote, you know, the, the lies I had told in the, in, the, in the letter to the Oregonian. And they wanted to use that to prosecute me in Riverside County. Now, they, they tried to contact my attorney. They sent letters to my attorney asking him if he was still my attorney. Okay. You know, they're trying to they're trying to find out whether or not he was still representing me because he was the one that set up the deal for a life sentence. Now, Phelan, my my attorney didn't contact him back. He he kind of saw through what they're trying to do, so he just he just left it alone. He says he just didn't contact him back, so he wanted to see where it went. Right. What ended up happening is, of course, they they decide that they want me there to take me to trial, but they they can't come and get me charge me with this crime to come and get me without me for they want me to force the deal they in other words they want me to file a fast and speedy and force them to come and get me gotcha this is how they played this this is a, so they told oregon they they actually contacted the oregon uh, department of corrections uh here at osp and they, they said hey we need you to help us bring jesperson down to california so we can kill him but we need you to help push the narrative that he's the one pushing the narrative to come down to California so they can kill me. Oh wow! Understand? Yeah. So they're I hear trying. What so saying. what they do is, so they can't. That taxpayer doesn't want me to come down there. But if I force them by filing a fast and speedy, then of course I'm forcing the court to deal with it, right? Right. So they contact the OSP and they get them. Uh, to get them on board. And so I'm called into an office to see staff to sign a piece of paper. And this is, this is, uh, they send me a call out and they, I go up there and I see this 
two women up there, one named Lennox, another one named Pinkley Wernz. And they call me in there, and I sit down, and I look at this, and they said, you need to sign this. They just throw me a pen and said, sign the goddamn thing, let's get over with. I read it. I feel like, wait a minute, I'm going to read this. So I read it, and, and it's a very well-typed-out, fast and speedy. It's just, it's, it's, it's just right. the legal document. I, I could have wrote on a hand fast and speedy and done the same thing, but this is well-typed up. This is, this is made up in the legal library. Right, and they hand it to me, and I look at it. Well, I, why don't I send up my attorneys? And they grab it from me. I said, No, no, you can't. Attorney can't see that. I said, Listen, people, come on. <laughs> I look at it. That's fast and speedy. I said, I'll tell you what. I'll sign this. I will. I'll sign this. You're doing me a favor. You just don't realize it. You're doing me a favor, right? Right. So I sign it, and then these, both these girls are the women. They jump up and down. They're high fiving each other, and they're like, "We're going to kill you. They're going to take you down to California. You're never going to come back." And and they're like, you know, they're really excited. I mean, they're yeah. literally bouncing up and down, high-fiving each other. Everything's good, right? Mm-hmm. So within so within a couple weeks, I was driven to Riverside County in December of 2009, right? Okay. And I get down there, and they, they book me in, and the guards, and every one of the guards that saw the Oprah show come over, and they said, hey, man, we saw you on Oprah, man. You, your daughter's really pretty. You know, that's I mean, <laughs> I don't care. You know, right. I don't care. It's, I'm here to settle this thing, right? Now, my attorney, when when they catch wind that they've sent me down there, my attorney sends me my fashion, sends my, my written deal to right. a life sentence, sends to me in legal mail, and I get that in my cell. Now, I go to my arraignment on January of 2010. Right. And I go in there, and I meet my attorney for the first time there. It's a really nice lady. Uh, uh, she's Portuguese, and, and she has a, a filing cabinet, you know, seven feet high of the, my case. It's all duplications of everything. Right. And I, and I said to her while we were in there, I said, I guess we're going to take care of it today. And she says, what do you mean take care of it? And I said, I have a deal. I said, no, you don't. Well, I said, yes, I do. I have a deal. He said, no, you don't. I said, yeah, I do. I said, matter of fact, reach into my front pocket, and, and I, could, I had, you know, chains on. I couldn't right. reach up there, but... She reaches in my front pocket, pulls out the letter of intent. She reads the letter. She goes into the judge's chambers with the judge, and he reads the letter. And he calls over the prosecutors from, from the, you know, from over the across the street. And they come over an hour and a half later. And we stand in front of the, the, the judge, and within 15, 20 minutes, the deal is set. I got my life sentence in writing. I, right. got, I got it all set up. So they gave me what I wanted. They couldn't right. kill me because the deal was made in 1996, right. and the prosecutors were pissed off because they they couldn't follow through with one. Now Oregon was really pissed off because California couldn't follow through with it. Right. When you know within in February of 2010, they finally put me on transport and they moved me all the way back to just you know I left about midnight out of Riverside County, California. And by 3.30 that afternoon, I was back in my cell in, in, in OSP. Oh, wow. You know, and the, the following morning, I went to chow, went to breakfast, and there was Pinkley Wirtz standing there off the side, and I walked over to her, and she had this stupid look on her face, like, what the fuck am I doing back? Right? Yeah. And I look at her, I said, well, 
Hi, Pinky. How are you doing? I just acted like that. I said, hi, how are you doing? I said, w what are you doing back? And I said, I told you I'd be back. I told you you're doing me a favor, right? Right. And if you ever want to, if you ever want to do another fast and speedy on my behalf, hey, just ask me which case I want to go to next because <laughs> every one of my cases I have a deal in writing, and, right. and you're just doing me a favor. You're helping me out, so I really appreciate the way you did this last one. Let's do it again sometime. <laughs> and she, she was hate it when we're smug like that. <laughs> the look on her face was just, just, you yeah. know, she was just so pissed off, and I never saw her again. I mean, I never did. I never, I never saw wow. her around again. She, she was just gone. Now, Lennox, I, I, I saw her, you know, about a year ago, and uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't bring up anything with her because it just, it just waited. But that's what Oregon wanted to do. Oregon sided with California yeah. on my, on my second murder to try to eliminate the deal I had on writing. Right. To kill me because of Oprah. Because of right. Oprah. Now, one of the things I want to talk about the Oprah show was uh, Dr. Phil and Oprah, they had a different opinion on whether or not Melissa should have contact with me or not. Right, right. Do Dr. Phil, he said to Melissa that, no, 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 Mr. Jesperson should not have contact with his daughter. Right. Now, Oprah, and, and, and I really like what Oprah said. Oprah said, no, I'm still her father. That right. I should still have contact with with my daughter, right? And of course, right. yeah. And Oprah, you know, I wish my daughter would have followed Oprah's advice. You know, yeah. But she did eventually, in a way. But she only contacted me when she wanted information. Right. She only contacted me when she needed, you know, material so she could go out there and and plagiarize and, and move along with it. Right. Right. You know. And yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I kind of. I mean, I'll say this because I had an estranged relationship with my father. I, my mom left him when I was three because he was abusive to her and my sister. And she, she, like, eliminated every part of him from my life at that point. Like, she tore up all his pictures. I didn't even know what my father looked like uh, until I was 18. She says, when you turn 18, I'll give you information. So, like, on my 18th birthday, I said, Mom, you need to tell me. And so she finally did. And so I had, you know, it, I think it's called the superhero complex where I had made him up to be the superhero in my mind, right? And yeah. Yeah, so it was like all that stuff and but then it's like he was far from that. I mean, I love my father. He's he's gone now, but I loved my father. But I had to come to terms with and I think this is what I think a lot of people need to do is he will never be the father I wanted, but he will always be the best father he could be. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, like like just as recently, my my youngest daughter's birthday's coming up right. on March seventeenth. You know, she's she came out all green. I told her that. And I said, "You're a green baby because you're <laughs> St. Patty's Day, right?" Right, right. <laughs> she said, Dad, I wasn't green. I wasn't green, Dad. I mean, like, I, yeah. It was just one of those calm things. But she's forty years old now. Wow. The last time I actually talked to her was when she was twelve years old. Wow. So 28 years ago, I, 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 the last time I talked to her, I was on a on a payphone right. in the uh, in, in the uh, uh, parking lot of the Jimmy Dolan Dance Studio down there in Little Rock, Arkansas. Right. The, I'm a member. I was a member of the club. Anyway, I, I called her on the phone to wish her a happy birthday. I asked her if she got the hundred dollars I sent her, and and it was I reminded I reminded by that, and I, and, the, and she asked me when I'm when she's going to see me again. Of course. I told her as soon as I could get there, well, 
I still haven't gotten there. I was going to say, didn't you get arrested shortly after that? Yeah, I was. I was arrested within a a week of that, so I never got back to see her. Now, yeah, I've... uh, But this week, you know, the last year on on her birthday, I sent her a purse, a lot like that one I sent to uh, Melissa. I sent Melissa a purse a lot like that. But this year, I decided to send her something to fill the purse. Oh, Yeah. You sent her yeah, money? I, mean, like, you know, <laughs> I sent her some money. I sent her some money, but it's there not, you, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, she'll be surprised when she opens up the, and sees the check. Um, I right. won't tell you exactly how much it is, oh, but no. it, it's enough to, yeah, it's it's a lot better than the $100 I sent her back in when she was Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, no, and I mean, yeah, because it's like, you know, it. it I, I guess I can say it like this, is it's amazing to me. That because you had talked about how she never changed her last name because she got married, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and she, she still goes by Jesperson. And her husband's like from the Philippines, he's a really nice man, right? And their kids, I saw pictures of her kids, and they're really great looking kids. And right, she has a career, and she wants, I, I, I guess, she wants to remember she misses daddy. And, oh, yeah, know, she's a daddy's girl, and she misses daddy, but she doesn't want, I guess, she doesn't really want to drag the prison life of daddy into her life. So into her memories of you. Kind of yeah. move on. She wants yeah. to move on. She wants to, and I and, and I completely understand with that. Right. You know, like right. I said in the letter when I sent, the, I sent this birthday money to her, I said, write me, don't write me, I understand. Right. Exactly. You know, that's, it's just the way it is. I love my daughter. I love my son. I love my, I still love Melissa. I know. I, I, I think she's, <laughs> I think she just misguided at times, and, and she needs to smarten up a bit. But other than that, <laughs> well, yeah, well, and I what can, can I say? Well, no, and I can kind of see her point of view to an extent. I mean, because she's angry, she's hurt, you know, because you're no longer the daddy that she remembers from her childhood. So I get yeah, that. Yeah, I'm not there for her. When, she, yeah. when I came home, she raised her hands and said, carry me, Dad. I said, that's why I called her Carrie, so I could carry her everywhere. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and then so, I put her on my shoulders, and, and that was it, right? That's, yeah. That's how it was. So, I mean, so... I'm not there to carry her anymore. Exactly. Well, and I can, like I said, I mean, even with Melissa, too. But at the same time, I don't understand why Melissa's doing what she's doing. You know, because... Um, well, this, uh, your show, your show is, is helping right, me right, solve that right. problem. Well, that's good. That's good. So um, we have time for one more call if you want to call back. I'll call you right back. Okay, Okay. cool. All right. I'm glad it gives me permission to speak. Hi. (laughs) Hi. So, So, yeah. uh, Anyway, we were talking about my daughters, and and, uh, I think we should probably move on to my third. Okay so that we can get through to this and then of course the fourth one and the fifth and so on and so forth. Right, right. Cause you're, but you know, your your show, uh, I, someone told me the other day I was, that I was in the news again and I was like, I'm always in the news. Right. <laughs> I can't, you know, it's, it's just the way it works out. It seems like every time I turn around, uh, some news agency has me there. I think CNN is doing a new documentary or some stupid thing like that. But Right. Um, I'm sure that, uh, you know, your show is, is, is helping uh, me and my daughter, Melissa, get through this. Well, that's because, good. Because, you know, we, we, talk about, we talk about what is fact and what isn't. Right, right. 
And she has to live up to the idea that, you know, the facts are there, and, and she's one of those people that she should say, well, don't confuse me with the facts, right? Right, right. <laughs> well, no, and, yeah, because, well, hopefully, I mean, you know what? If we can bring families together, that's great. Um, but, yeah, because I'm, I mean, like, Scott and I have talked about all the time. It's like, you know, don't go out there and embellish stuff and lie about stuff because it's only going to come back and bite you in the butt. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, well, yeah. Well, she just made, she likes telling stories, and I mean, and she's a storyteller. Maybe she'd be good at children's books. I'm not sure. Well, well, and I like to write. I like to write fiction. I like to write nonfiction. But it's like when I do this, it's like, what's the point of embellishing when people are going to find out the truth and be like, well, why did you say that? You know what I mean? Well, this, the, the truth is, is, is worse sometimes than fiction. That's true. That's true. I mean, they say truth you know, is stranger I, than fiction, but you're right. <laughs> yeah, it it actually is. It's it's it's, it's harsh enough without having to deal with the, the faults of the stories. You, right. know, you watch these horror shows on TV and or on the movies, and and they got these it, this is either the depraved imaginations gone oh, amok yeah. among storytellers. Oh, totally. It's like totally. like taking creative writing. And coming up with a, a storyline of, of the werewolf or Dracula or you know Frankenstein, <laughs> and we're all we're all, we're all as animals or something. We'll see, yeah. And that's one of the things that, and it's really weird because I mean, Scott and I talked about this this last week because we started off this, you know, we're just going to talk about serial, you know, like the lesser known ones. Um, but then yeah. in our fourth episode, we covered Carl Panzram, and I don't know if you've ever heard of him. But I have. He, okay, I was going to say because he has actually escaped from OSP, by the way. <laughs> um, but we featured him, and Scott and I were watching a documentary, and I don't know if anybody's ever heard of her, but her name is Catherine Ramsland, and she's this world-renowned psychiatrist, all this other stuff, and she's sitting up there on the TV saying, "Well, he was just a sociopath." Well, actually, she said he's a psychopath. Blah 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, so after Scott and I were researching, I'm like, wait a minute. He doesn't fit the psychopath, you know, narrative. He was more of a sociopath. But she didn't take his past into consideration, too. She was like, this is what he is, you know. So Scott and I made the determination. Well, this is, this is the way she was. This is right. her storyline. Exactly. Yeah. So Scott and I made that determination with, I mean, when we researched that, that case, that, you know what, we need to present. Our, our cases as if we need to let people know hey they're human too they went through certain things that we could not comprehend and some people just don't know how to like cope with that and you know what I mean like process that so they act out in different ways and so yeah we don't look at people okay, as so, monsters ever so anyway let's move on to number yeah. three yeah let's go to number three this is a really screwed up case this is a screwed up case <laughs> You know, I had I had a person say, you know, we could we could make a movie on just the first three murders that I did. Oh wow! And it'd be, yeah, it's just it's just the way just the way it worked. The Bennett murder, the way it worked out, the right. second one, and all the all the how they're trying to push the narratives, and and this one, well, just like I said, it was two weeks after I, I killed the second one. And it's right I, around I was, the time I, they I found a, the body of the second one, right? Yeah, right about the time they found it, number two. Okay. I was. Uh, I had an overnight delivery from Ellensburg, Washington, to Fresno, California, okay. of Washington beef. I picked it up at about eleven o'clock on a Thursday, 
and my boss wanted me in Fresno, California by 7 o'clock in the next morning. Oh, wow. You know, and that's the trucking, that's the way trucking was back then, where you just picked up a load and you ran with it, and 20 hours later you're supposed to be somewhere else. Right. Where you don't have, you're not sleeping eight hours between each 10 of driving time, not like they have now. You have uh, electronic logging where you can't do that. You can't drive straight through. You have right. to take your break. So in dealing with so I was on an overnight delivery, and, and I was tired. I was pushing. I was I actually had, had another overnight delivery right before that, so I was on my second one, and I hadn't had much sleep. So I was, you know, as an excuse here that is I'm, I'm overtired. I'm in right. a hurry. I'm down there, and I'm pushing through, and I'm, and the, the the kidnapping thing I had going on with number two wasn't didn't work. So I, I was gonna I wasn't gonna do that. I was gonna say okay. I, I figured that well the next time I, I meet someone like that maybe I can convince them to come with me and just be with me, kind of right. Thing, right? Without and, and it wasn't gonna be a murder thing. It was just gonna be time spent with someone. Right, a companionship. Uh, yeah, you know you gotta kind pay of. for it. I was I was gonna pay the I was gonna pay the the, the dues. You know the, the money right, that, right. That, that she would want, but I'd right. want her like I wouldn't want just an hour. I'd want her like a day or so. You know, right. to, just time to be with. Okay. So I about so it was it was about two or three a.m. in the morning when I pulled into the rest area on Highway 99 uh, by Turlock, California. Right. Uh, there's this is a local. The, all the local hookers that are there, they're all wearing red tops and and different you know different bottoms, but they're all okay, yeah. they're all wearing red of some sort. To distinguish and I pull themselves. In, I find, <laughs> pardon. To distinguish What's themselves. That? Yes, it is. Actually, that's the way they were. They, you see them walk around the lot, you'd know which one is a hooker or not. Now, hopefully someone driving in as a tourist is wearing a red top doesn't <laughs> go over and get accosted. I don't know. But that's, right, that's, right. I thought about that. So well, what if someone comes in that, that's wearing a red? Well, they think that that she is, you know, and I'm thinking, right. oh, great. But anyway, so I pull in there, and, and there's no parking spots available. I mean, these girls have everything locked up. Now, right. I, I park up there next to the rest area, and I, I'm just waiting for something to open up, another another uh, another parking spot, and nothing's moving. So uh, I'm just sitting there, and all of a sudden this girl jumps up on my running board, and I'm talking to her, and she's really nice, about five, six, maybe 110, 115, 20 pounds, very pleasant. And uh, are you, you know, the, the, the typical lingo, are you a cop? Or, no, I'm not, you know, kind of thing. So I reach down, and I feel her breast. Because that's what we do. <laughs> we're, well, yeah. we're deciding whether we're doing something that the cops wouldn't allow to happen. So that's what right. we do. We reach out, we feel them a little bit. And, oh yeah, she's she's very nice. And 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 I thought, yeah, okay. So I asked her. I said, well, why don't you just hop on in and and um, ride with me, and I'll bring you back to the rest area a little later. And she, she didn't want to go. She wanted to stay in the rest area. And she said, no, I'm not going to go anywhere. So I'm going to have to find a parking spot if that's what I wanted, and and so I had to create one. I had okay. to create. I had. I went drove past all the other trucks, and then I backed into an area in front of in front of the trucks, uh, next to a curb. And I knew that eventually one of the drivers that was going to leave would have to come over and knock on my door and have me move so he could move. Right. But the only reason I pulled in there was so that I could have her company. Right. And then so when she gets in the truck, and and so. When she climbs in the truck, uh, by then I'm a little bit mad because she didn't want to ride with me anywhere else. And mm -hmm. so I was just pissed. So I just 
So she climbs in, and uh, she goes to the back to sleep her, and I dive in behind her, and I put my hand on her on her neck, and I sna- and it snapped. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I I actually broke her neck when I when I pushed down on her, when I grabbed her and pushed down on the bed there, and it actually broke her neck. Wow. I, now I realized that later. I didn't I didn't realize that that she died within seconds. Wow! Of climbing in the truck. Uh, I didn't. I didn't even strangle her. I didn't have that. I didn't even get to that point or anything like that. I was just kind of like holding her, and it was. Right. Anyways, it's it just how it happened. Um, but then there was a knock on the window while I was over the top of her looking down. I was, there was a knock on the window, and I looked back behind me, and there's two faces of girls up against the passenger window looking in the sleeper at me, and I'm over the top of this girl I just killed. Wow. Right? And I'm looking back over, and I'm like panicking. I just panic, and I throw myself up on the driver's seat. I pop the air valves, and I put it in gear, and I drive off. And the girls on the running board on the passenger, they jump off, and I go on down the roadway. And I drive down to the next exit. I'm not sure for sure that she's dead, but I, I'm thinking she is. And I want to make sure that she doesn't get up and run away. Right. So I get down there and I tape her up. I tape around her mouth, and and her her head just falls from side to side. So I kind of think she's dead, but I'm not sure. And then I tape up her hands and her feet, and I figured I'd get somewhere else, and then I would look her over when I get somewhere else. Right. And then I uh, then I got back on the freeway and I headed down to Livingston, and I parked in behind the Blueberry Hill Cafe. Right. And there's a dirt parking lot, and I parked there. Now before I move on any further, than now. The story that's on the internet, the story that's on the internet about how the murder happened was, uh, you know, when I talked about this before, it's about blaming the victim, right? Right. So you, when you when you tell the story to the police and you tell the story to your lawyer, you want to make it sound like the victim's fault why they died. Right. That's why you, that's that, that's so that it gives you an explanation in court. And they get to play around that. That's that's what happens. You you right. see a lot of these cases where they're going like, well, if she wouldn't have done this, she wouldn't be she would be alive today. Right. So the story that I told and was telling everyone before, I'm telling you this other is that when I pulled in, I found a parking spot, and I I, I got to park, and I wanted just to sleep. There was a knock on the door, and I told her to get away. And then just another knock on the door, and then I opened up the window. I said, "What do you want?" He said, "Well." You want some company? I said no, and and I said no, I don't want any company. So then she'd say, "Well, get the hell out of my customer's parking spot, then." Right? And that was right. the, that was the to- that was the ploy that I threw at everyone. That I, I I said, "Well, you want you want company? Okay, then I invite her in and kill her." Right? Right. So I blame her for for interrupting me at trying to get some rest, but that really wasn't the case. Okay. But that, but that was a story that is spread around the internet and everything like right. that. Well, that was, that was the way it happened. But it's not. Okay. I'd actually, actually got her in the truck and snapped her neck, and then I headed down to the Blueberry Hill Cafe. Wow. Now, when I got into the parking lot, the, the, the Blueberry Hill Cafe, I, I pulled in off Highway 99, and uh, you come right off the highway. You drive right down between two buildings, and it's a back parking lot. And I swung around and I. I I pointed my tractor right up against the uh, the the, uh, the southwest corner of the building. Okay. And then the the dirt parking lot. If you run over dirt enough, 
uh, it turns to powder. It's not right. all dry. And when you step on it, it's like flows out from underneath your feet. Right. And and I, I've been to that truck stop. I mean, been to that the restaurant several, several times. And so I was familiar with the area. So I walked around the parking lot, and I was looking to see if anybody was awake. There's several trucks out there. And I walked around, and I looked up there towards their cab, and I didn't see anything movement, no lights on or anything like that. So I, I felt pretty safe. It was about 3.30 in the morning by then. I went back in the truck, and I was looking her over, and I took all the tape off her, and she was just limp there. And I checked her, and her and she had, uh, there was feces in her, in her, in her, in her panties. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, it was just, it was just, it, I was upset right. that it happened so quickly and, and it was done. I, I didn't want her to be dead right now, you know, kind of thing. Right. So it, it's not, it just, it, everything just went too quick and, and I was pissed off. Now I had to get rid of the body. So I went up around, I, I leaned her up against the, the sleeper door and I went around outside and I opened the door and, and let her fall over my shoulder and I carried her uh, basically I went about 60 feet behind my tra- my trailer and about 50 feet south in the dirt parking lot and I threw her down behind underneath this, this uh, um, tumbleweed okay. and, uh, and I kicked a lot of the powder dirt around her all over her and um, I, I stomped on her once and then uh, I left and got in my truck and backed up and went down to Fresno and delivered my, my load. And later that that morning, I ended up at Klein's truck stop in, in Fresno. Okay. And while I was in that, while I was in Klein's truck stop, I, the, the big puzzlement was, what did these girls see in the cab? So I, I went out there and I, I tried to climb up on my running board, looking through the window and trying to see if there's, I could see anything in the sleeper and I couldn't. So okay. I felt relieved that they, they didn't see anything either. They were just trying to see if I was, you know, they're looking for another another John to play with them. I right. Guess, so. Right. But yeah. But anyway, that's that was the that this basically my 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 third case. Now, this this case is far from over. But in 1996, a deal was made with me for a life sentence in writing, uh, and and. The reason, the reason that deal was made was because of a, the 1994 letter to the Oregonian. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone asked, well, why, you know, there's a Cynthia Lynn Rose that, uh, there's a case there beyond the Blueberry Hill Cafe called the Cynthia Lynn Rose, and she died of a drug overdose. Right. And her body was found, her body was found about the same time I put my body there. Okay. Okay, and the question has come up, why is it that, I'm connected to the Cynthia and Rose case. Well, in 1994, when I wrote the Happy Face letter to the Oregonian, the only body found behind the Blueberry Hill Cafe was the Cynthia Lynn Rose body. Right. And so when they they just they felt that because that was the only body found, that I must be referring to that body. Right. And so they said that I must have killed Cynthia Lynn Rose. But on another note, Cynthia Lynn Rose died of a drug overdose. Right. She did not have a broken neck. She did not. Uh, she wasn't wearing the same clothes that that right. mine was. Mine was was had a red top and blue jeans and sneakers. Cynthia uh, Lynn Rose was was a red top, uh, a, a skirt, and uh, sneakers, I guess. But there was a discrepancy there. 
Right. And she was found behind on the back lot there by a building underneath a tree or something like that on hard hard ground, and mine was in the powder dirt. So it doesn't match. Now, when in 1996 they came to talk to me, I heard a detective after I was telling the story, one of the detectives said, well, it doesn't even sound like our case. Then I heard another detective say, well, you need to shut up. <laughs> right. So they're, so they're listening to me, and there may be this deal, but um, they never, you know, I assumed because it, that I killed Cynthia Rose because they, they kept saying I did. But in 1995, when I was arrested, that's when they, they were telling me that I, I killed her, and I really hadn't because she died of a drug overdose. Wow. Now, now, when I learned the difference, when did I learn the difference? Well, in, 19, in 2009, when I was going down to Riverside County, the detectives, while, they're, while we were driving, showed me a picture of Cynthia, where, or, or stage picture, of mm-hmm. a girl laying on a fetal position on her left side uh, on hard ground underneath a tree. And, and they asked me, about her, which said, "What? Tell me about her." And I said, "I don't know who that is." And they, right. they said, "Well, that's they said, well, that's Cynthia and Rose." And I said, "Well, if that's Cynthia and Rose, I didn't kill her. I don't know who that is. Wow, that's that's somebody else." So that's when I, I contacted my attorney, Thomas Phelan. I said, uh, "They showed me a picture of Cynthia and Rose, and that's not my body. That's not the one I put there. Mine put I put their mine in the dirt, face down in the powdered dirt underneath this tumbleweed and." cover it up. Now, the uh, Merced County will not settle our deal. You know, the right. deal I have in writing. They will not settle my deal knowing, knowing that the Cincinnati Rooms case isn't mine. Right, they, don't want right. to, they don't want to put my name to it because they know that the facts aren't the same. Right, right. But, they want, but apparently that at Cynthia's tombstone, they have it listed that, that's, that she's one of my murders. Wow. Okay, and this case kind of like takes bounces and turns, and, and recently, as as recently as maybe next week, so our deal is our deal is still in writing to a life sentence in writing for a murder, right. but it's not linked to that. Now they've never looked for my victim fifty feet away. Okay. See, see, since you know, since and Rose was found straight back from the south southwest corner of the buildings, go straight all the way back to the to to the border of, of the property line that's when she was found near an outbuilding and so forth right mine was 50 feet south of that okay so, so what what's going to happen now well you know briar lee mitchell wrote a book called serial killers then and now right right and now she is she is very interested in, in trying to locate the body that i put right. there right and so she's she's going out of her way and she's getting hopefully permission to go into the property and, uh, and and bring in cadaver dogs and and try right. to find the body and, and prove everybody else right. other than myself is wrong. Right. Now that may very well happen in the next week or two or three weeks, or something like that. But I was I recently saw a couple photos sent to me from Briar, and this is of the area of Livingston of of the Blue Bear. Now all her photos are aerial photography, right? right. And again, I must. I must stress this. I drove trucks for a living. I didn't fly a goddamn plane. Right. Right? I didn't fly a goddamn plane in the area, so how the fuck was I going to look down on a city and say, okay, this is what it is now? 
I know the area, okay, fine, I knew where the building, but right now, they went through there and they put an overpass between what used to be the Blueberry Hill Cafe and where the railroad tracks cross Highway 99. They put, a, they put an overpass there now. So they removed the frontage road and they put in a, a off-road that goes onto the overpass, mm-hmm. but they never moved Highway 99, so I'm very confident that when they removed the buildings, they took a caterpillar and then they just tore down all the buildings. They leveled everything, so all that's left now is just level ground. Right. But there's but there's no there's nothing else there. I'm very confident that if they if a cadaver dog can walk can go in there and sniff out where the body was fifty fifty years ago, that they will find it. Right. That's that's my confidence that they would. Now if they don't, then she might have got up and walked away. I'm not sure. Right. That's the only, my only explanation. But we also know that Cynthia Rose case isn't mine because she died of a drug overdose. Right. Now, one of the what, what's really kind of a kicker here in in 1995, when I was claiming I did the Bennett murder, and and Multnomah County was claiming I was a liar. Right. Well, Livingston, in Merced County, as well as uh, San Jose, California, the the Skipple case, they both claimed that. I didn't do those that they both died of drug overdoses, that they were not mine. Wow. So they had jumped all over this in 1995, claiming it wasn't mine because I was a liar, saying that I never, I, I lied about this, so I didn't kill the Bennett case because I'm a liar, and these other ones. Well, the moment I proved I killed Bennett and got those two people released from prison, then these, then, then Merced County shut up. They just refused to say anything. And in the other case there in San Jose, they refused to say anything either. And later, uh, the, the my fifth case was that had been ruled a drug overdose was reexamined by another coroner, and they they reopened it as a murder. Right. They changed they changed it because now they want to prosecute me after they said I didn't do it. Right. See, yeah. and so this just, is how things are bouncing around on my cases. Right. And I do, I mean, I I kind of talked to Briar. I mean, I messaged her earlier this week, and we kind of talked to, I mean, we kind of did that. And she said that she, it's actually kind of progressing forward now, where before it was like at a standstill. So we're really anxious to see the results of that, you know. Yeah, I mean, so, if, if she can bring in, she can bring in people that have, and, and, and at every, at every, what, what's really troubling is that Merced County will not settle our deal knowing it isn't, of course. And, and any attempt to change their assessment of the case is blocked. Right. They don't want to. They don't want any. They don't want to hear it. They they hate my guts because I'm bringing it back up. Uh, they'd rather have a family out there not knowing where their victim is and, and blame me on for the for the Cincy Lynn Rose case. Right then have to reopen a case and find out that, you know, you know, all those years ago they could have searched and found the body. Right, exactly. When, you know, they could have done this, but they didn't do it. Right. So, they, so in other words, the police department there hates my guts. Right. Because I'm, I'm, re, uh, I, I'm pushing the narrative of, let's solve this, let's get this out of the way. Okay, yeah. No, I, I mean, I understand what you're saying. It's... It's crazy, <laughs> you know. It, it is. Just, it's nuts. Yeah. They, they, they're, they're, they're so caught up with the idea that why not just say it's, it's the Rose case, 
Right. Where, when they know it isn't. They know it isn't because it doesn't fit the facts. Right. And the fact that she died of an overdose anyway. So what are they going to charge me with? I'm okay. So let's let's, let's say I did. Let's say I, I I helped facilitate her overdose. Am I going to be charged with murder if that was the case? Right. No. I mean, I hear I what mean, you're this, saying. If you have to look on the other side, if this is what they're going to do, if they're going to come at me and they say, "Well, I must have done this one," well, then right. did, did I provide her the drugs? Did I do all this? Did all this? And or or did she take this on her own? But one of the things that people don't realize that. Cynthia Rose, the last person she was with was some Mexican guy that she stole $700 from. Oh, wow. She was last seen that very morning when she disappeared by, with, with the guy that was driving a white truck. Okay. A truck driver that was driving a white truck, and she had stolen from him $700. Bucks and right. And that, she was the last one that, he was the last one that was seen with her that morning. Right, and you had killed your victim the night before, right? I so this is this is my point is that yeah, when they're finding the body, this is the timeline I I would go by that when they're finding the body of my second one, that's when I killed my third. Right. So I don't know exactly the date, but I'm sure it's pretty close to those dates. Right. I don't know when I don't know when Cynthia Rose was was put there. Right. Probably, it could be within a couple of weeks, but then again, you know, that's still, you know, it's, they did, they found her because she was not buried. Right. Mine was. She was out in the open. And, yeah, so they had no reason to look for right. another one. I, I, I comment the fact that they, they found, they found Sinson and Rose decomposing in the back parking lot of the restaurant because she smelled worse than the food they were serving, I guess. <laughs> oh, ew. <laughs> that tells you what kind of place that is, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah sometimes. Yeah. Still, actually, actually, the food is pretty good, but when you oh, okay. walk out the back part, it, it yeah. depends on how the wind was blowing, I guess. Right, right. Yeah, the wind was blowing. She was there for two weeks in the back of the parking lot, and the parking lot wasn't that big. Wow. Anyone there could have could have walked back there and looked down and saw her, but they didn't. Right, yeah. For two weeks. Right, so... so I don't know. I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things that make you kind of wonder because there's people walking around this parking lot and the, towards the back of the apartment was a bunch of outbuildings and some scrub trees and stuff like that. So a curious person might walk back there and and, and right. view something, but maybe the smell kept them away. I don't know. Right. I have no idea. That I mean, it's well, and I just think it's really bizarre that. I mean, and people don't understand it unless they've been in the legal system. It's like, you know, they try to push the narrative so they hurry up, let's get this done with. You know what I mean? So, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's really, like, it's, it's hard to explain unless somebody has actually been through it. But, um, yeah, so as far as they're concerned, it's already solved, and that's it, that's all. Because, you yeah, know, they, how, they, how can they, they explain? It with the rose yeah. How can they explain that there's yeah. another body out there and they haven't found it yet? You know. Well, they so. didn't look. That yeah. The problems. They didn't even look. Yeah. And and that's why they're mad now is because we're looking. Yeah. But we're looking. We're looking thirty years later. That's true too. That's true too. But I mean. Yeah. This is the. This is, yeah, yeah. This is what what's really maddening is that let's say they find let's say with Briar's help and she's paying the bill. 
Right. She's paying for that. And then, of course, this ha- ha- helps her book sales and everything else. And she probably write another book about this. Right. But all the all the roadblocks she ran into. But they find the body. Then what? Then, of course, now there's egg on face, right? Well, yeah, they have to explain, like, why they didn't, like, remaining. listen to you, you know. There's one minute remaining, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, and, I mean, I don't have time to take another call today because I have some other things to do. But okay, let's we'll do pick this okay. up next week, okay? All right. All right. Thanks for Sounds calling, good to Keith. Me. And I'm glad you're feeling better. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> you're welcome. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> All right. Well, it sounds like at least it was an interesting call. It, it was. It was very, very, very interesting. And um, I I believe, and I didn't clarify this with him or not, because he said some things that indicated he had not told this version of the story to people. Oh, do tell. Yeah. Well, it was about the fact that, you know, because he had said that... Um, she kept bothering him. You know, he was trying to sleep and she kept bothering him. And that's why he brought her into the truck and killed her. Oh, okay. And stuff like that. And it was also said that, you know, uh, there was also the possibility that he might not have killed her. But he said that he remembers specifically that her neck snapped. He says he felt it snap under the pressure. Okay. Well, but, you know, memories can be... That's true. That's true. Because over time, your yeah. memories change. Yeah. And you start believing what you think might have happened as opposed to... Yeah. Right, right, right. But the epiphany I had with this call was that... You know, because we talked about it before. We've talked about it with him. We've talked about it with our listeners. we talked about it with our fans on Facebook. That Keith's case defies all logic when it comes to serial killers. It does. He doesn't fit the typical psychopath. He does not. And so, you know, you, it's been wonders. like, okay, why did he kill people? Well, I think of over us keep asking, okay, but why? You know, what made you decide in that moment, right? Because Tanya Bennett, I believe, was a fluke. He agree, never intended to kill her. He was upset, angry, out of control in his life. She said something that triggered something in him that snapped, and he handled his anger poorly. Correct, correct. I, I, I believe that's that. what happened with her. Now, as far as the second victim, you know, the one that he allegedly told people in the beginning he kept her for so many days, but he told us himself that he thought at that moment when he had her with him, I can kidnap her and, you know, keep her as my quote-unquote sex slave, even though he didn't say those words, you know, but then... Actually, yeah, he did. Did he say sex slave? Yep. Oh, I thought he said for his sexual pleasure, but... Uh, close enough. Yeah. But, you know, so it's like... So, but then something triggered and he ended up killing her. Right? Now, with this girl, with this third victim, he said something to me that it clicked with me. I... He was looking for companionship. He wanted somebody to ride in the truck with him to, you know, kind of keep him company, blah, 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 companionship. Okay. And... As a heterosexual male, what better companionship would there be than a woman? Right? A dog. Okay, women well, are nothing a but trouble. dog is not going to satisfy your sexual urges. Scott. No, but they're way less stressed. You give up the sex for less stress, man, because women are stressful <laughs> as fuck. Anyways, so, but you, and you and I have also talked about it that, you know, Keith is a great guy. Yeah, I like him. But we believe he's socially stunted. Agreed. Which means he does not um, interact with people how you would assume somebody would. 
And so I believe he was looking for companionship and bear with me because this is a bad song reference. Looking for love in all the wrong places because he was looking for him in hookers and, you know, people looking who, for love people who would only love you for a certain amount. Searching your eyes, looking for traces. I know that song. I can play that song. Right. But basically he was looking for companionship with people who would only give you companionship that you could afford. Right. Because once the funds ran out or once they, you weren't giving them money, their companionship ended. Right. Like, and, you, like you with your clients. I, I anyways. Think. I'm not I, picking up what you're throwing down, Sandy Boulevard Queen. So I believe that's what frustrated him. It's like he wanted this companionship. They weren't giving it to him. So he became frustrated and killed again. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. I, I mean, that's the epiphany I had. Right. I mean, I could be wrong, but we'll clarify it on the next call we have. I'm going to like, hey, this is what I thought about. In the shower one day. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Keith, I was thinking about you in the shower. Maybe I was pinching my nipples a little bit, smacking my ass and calling you daddy. And this is what I thought. Angel. (laughs) But yeah, no, I did not say that. (laughs) But no, so like like I said, that's my epiphany. And I would like our listeners to weigh in. So that is going to be when we post this episode. That's going to be one of the questions I'm going to ask in the group chat. Groovy, groovy. Yeah. By the way, I saw a picture of your sister. How did you see a picture of my sister? Because it's on her profile. Oh, yeah. I think that's her and her husband. Yeah. She's kind of hot. Oh, my God. Bob isn't, but she is. Bob. Bob's amazing. Do you, know that, <laughs> do you know that my sister met him at a truck stop? <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, she was hitchhiking, but that, I died, Greg. No, she wasn't hitchhiking. <laughs> I, I, I see, I, I see a, a, a trend with you and your sister. I hate you. It's working that part no. a lot, man. Yeah, so no, I'm just kidding. I actually like your sister. The 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 conversations that we've had in the group chat, I know for, for uh, citizens of brutal nation has been just that's funny. Well, and it's it was fun. so she, funny she because cool. my my sister and I had this little thing back and forth, and she goes, "Does that mean I'm a fan?" I'm like, "No, bitch, you're required to listen to the show. You're my sister, <laughs> right?" And then another person goes, "What have I gotten myself into?" And then I looked at the name. That's my aunt. <laughs> yeah, that's even better. I was like, I said, just some fun ribbing between co-hosts and siblings, and she goes, "I love it." I'm like, yeah. This is like a dysfunctional Brady Bunch <laughs> We episode. are a dysfunctional Jesus family, Christ, but that's, yeah. Man. But no, yeah, I was like looking at, because sometimes it's like, who would say something like that? I hope I didn't offend somebody on accident. <laughs> but then when I saw who it was, I'm like, I don't care. It's my aunt. Wait a minute, is your aunt, <laughs> aunt hella hot too? My aunt is very, very nice. She's the one that's married to my youngest uncle. God damn, there's always a catch, man. They're yeah. all married. I just but I, dude, I like the older she, ladies. Because she was introduced to the family rather suddenly at my grandma's funeral. And so I remember. What a great way to introduce somebody. Yeah, right. I'm so sorry that she died. By the way, this is your new aunt. Ta-da! Dude, we were all shocked because he was a consummate bachelor. But anyways, no, because when, when we all got together at the funeral with everything, I went up to her and I said, stick with me. Nobody likes me anyway, so they're bound to love you if you're around me. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <But> yeah. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, so yeah, I, th- I really did have that epiphany, and I'd like to clarify it with him next call we have. So Sweet, we can do that. Yeah. All right, boys and girls, remember, send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs. Check out the website at www.twistedbluellc.com. Get on to Facebook, you know, Book of the Faces. Book of the Faces, the many faces of Scott. <laughs> That's the many Scott has like people. 10 aliases on Facebook, by the way. I just want to let people know. This is why. This is exactly why. <laughs> because they put why. you in jail. <laughs> and I've said this in, in recent episodes. Like, 
I will go to Facebook jail for 30 days over shit that I posted like 11 years ago now. 11, 10, 11 years ago. Like stuff I don't even remember. And I'm sitting there going, are you sure? And then what's even weird is it'll say, you posted this. And it'll say like content unavailable. But it'll say, you posted this back in like 2013. When Facebook first started? Yeah. And it's like, you're not showing me anything. I What did I post? And why did you? Like, okay. If I post something offensive today and you throw me a Facebook jump, you know what? I probably have it coming. That's cool. <laughs> but this is shit I don't even remember. And now you're not going to show me what I posted? That's why I have to have, like, uh, how many do I got? I got. Uh, I know you have at least three. I've got uh, uh, Scott Fluffy Butt. Yes. Because <laughs> that cracked me up. It's got a picture of my pit bull on it. The one that, um, you know, my ex-wife. Oh, your pit bull. I thought you said pimple. I'm like, what? My, my pit bull. <laughs> like, woof, 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 pit bull. Yeah, I got it. That <laughs> was Denver. Um, the one that my ex-wife took. Um, and I've got what? Lucifer Sunshine. Yes, I knew that one, too. I think that's all of them that I got. It's just three. I thought you had at least four. No, I just got three. Oh, okay. Because they keep throwing me into freaking Facebook jail. <laughs> I gotta be able to access the business accounts. Well, there is that why there's a t- there's admins I didn't even know about on our account. There is. I, I think on the Twisted Blue band page, yeah. We got to go through that page because it should just be. I think you. it's just, I think it's your aliases. Oh, because yeah, no, I was like, what? And then when you said the name, I go, oh yeah, okay, that's why. That's what it is. Yeah, uh, you got Lucifer Sunshine and you got uh, Scott Fluffy Butt. Those are admins. Because I have the fluffiest <laughs> butt of them all. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it is kind of doughy, but okay. Oh, you're such a twat. God damn it. You and Jen Doll. Twats. Twats. Dude, I love Jen Doll. I do too, man. She's pretty freaking amazing. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, and I love the fact that she is like a total Sasquatch nut. And it, I didn't even know until she showed well, me. You're halfway there. She's definitely a nut. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> no, she like totally buys into the Sasquatch phenomenon. <laughs> Yeah, she's... She needs to come up here to go... I told her about the Sasquatch Institute. She goes, there's an institute? No way! <laughs> yeah, she's, she's actually pretty awesome. That's, that's why her and I, literally, yeah. we talk daily. Yeah. Um, and just shoot the shit about, you know, and I know some people are out there like, oh, he's trying to get in her pants or da-da-da or something. No, fair. no, dude, we just shoot the shit. Yeah, I was going to say, now, half the women you talk to... I just shoot. I mean, I'm I'm not going to say you wouldn't because I think if given the opportunity, you would. But it's not your end goal right now. (laughs) It it isn't because, as I've said before, I have no problem with getting local vagina. Um, I don't need to, you know, sit there and try to conquer all the women in the world. Yeah, you were stuck on Sandy Boulevard for quite a while with the excuse, I'm stuck in the snow. That's because I was watching your coworkers. (laughs) The Great Hooker Revolt. And the Great. Boys and girls, I have a story for you. You ready for this? I have to light a cigarette for this one. <laughs> I remember the Great Hooker Revolt of 2023. Mark my words. It was on January 20, I mean, February 23rd. <laughs> there was condoms flying everywhere. Three men got lubricant in their eyes. I'm blind. Actually, I'm it was blind. February 22nd, but I digress. <laughs> then I was in my truck. And a random used condom. Like, they started throwing them, and they stuck to my truck. And I'm like, I got to get the hell out of here. And then a hooker flew through the sky and let the big snail trail down my windshield and down my hood. I was scared. Scared for my life. I was dodging condoms and lubricant 
everywhere. And then I turned around to run, and I got hit in the back with a with with a vibrator, and with it a, knocked me out with a vibrator. It was a bam, and then I woke up, and then I was I was being held hostage by by hookers. And they're like, "You got twenty dollars, baby," and I'm like, "No, I don't. I got a lump on the back of my friggin' head, and why is this <laughs> vibrating around my butt? What is in my? Oh, that's not right. <laughs> that's that's just not okay. That's not okay. I did not consent." <laughs> And I'm not paying extra for this, okay? I'm just saying, I'm not paying extra for this. This is some bullshit. I want to get the hell out of here. And finally, when they realized that I had no money, like cash on me, they they let me go. But you know what? It, it, it was really rude of them because they didn't even give me ice for the back of my head with a big goose egg that I had from at least one really hard vibrator. Could have been more. Could have been more. It could have been more because I think I felt a few, few goose eggs back there. I was terrified. Nobody cares about me. No. That was a great freaking hooker revolt. You're lucky you weren't at work that day. <laughs> because horrible things could have happened, man. You could have gone blind from lube in the eye. Um, you know, you may have, like, choked and used condoms. We don't know. It's scary. It's scary out there on Sandy Boulevard. <laughs> You're so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> And then when we were at the con- at your last show on 82nd, when John had just talked about how they line it up down the road, and you could see him. And then we came out, and there was one walking down the road. I'm like, "Yep." Well, it was cracked me up because she actually yelled for a John, not Mar John, but she's like, "Hey, John!" I'm like, "Oh my God, she knows Johnny." Yeah, she's looking for John. <laughs> John gets her out, I guess. That's All right. right. <laughs> I'm not going to tell Sherry on him, but damn, John. No, dude. Don't talk to the hookers, brother. <laughs> no, it was, that was funny. That was, that was And hilarious. then she had those, I, I told you I like those hooker shoes, the ones with the, like, the clear heels, the see-through heels, like she glass heels. short skirt on, and it was yeah. cold outside. Like my, It was freezing out there. I had pants on, and my nuts were freezing. It's terrible. That was, that was just before the Great <laughs> Hooker War of 2023. <laughs> I was just say, but Scott, you have to have them for them to be freezing. <laughs> oh, I got them. Ask your mom, man. She she likes the clam slam, and I like the tea bag. Oh God. Okay, we're done. It's love, <laughs> baby. Look. That was not okay. No, but yeah. So, like I said, that episode. I mean, this call with Keith was very eye-opening for me, and I think I'm finally beginning to understand. Some things. Yeah, you know, you already said that. And we were doing the outro. Then we got on the Great Hooker War of 2023. Hey, you know what? I'm just lucky I made it out alive. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, y'all should appreciate it out there that I got out alive um, with minimal damage. I, I definitely have a fear of sex toys now because I saw things. I saw a guy die because of a butt plug. <laughs> and it was big. We're not talking the trainer set. You're we're not talking, talking about that 10-inch one that you got in the mail? We're talking, th- this thing had to be a good four or five inches round. <laughs> he took it to the chest. I guess it cracked his sternum, dropped him. It dropped him like a bullet from a gun. <laughs> Nobody knew where it came from. You're bad. And all you could hear in the wind was, $20! <laughs> you know, people need to realize right now, we're like recording this at night and we're tired. <laughs> Very tired. Normally we do this on Saturday mornings, but here we are yeah. on Wednesday. Yep, Wednesday night. And I got fucked at work. Let me tell you how. So I told Chief White Claw of the Brokeback Mountains, his name's actually Todd. He's my dispatcher. Right. I said, hey, bud, I need an early day for Wednesday. Right. And sure enough, he hooked me up. I said, okay, one stop up to Auburn, Washington, come back. All right, cool. So I get in my truck, you know, and I start up. And I go over to Purina, and I hook on to my, uh, to my trailer. 
And because uh, you can get sound effects with this one, too. I was going to say, thank you. You know, and then uh, I get down the road and I'm, I'm driving down the road and I get up there to uh, to Coastal Farmer Ranch in, 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 Ar- in Auburn, which is a it's a feed store and Western Wear store. And there's only one way to get around the damn building to their dock. And there's a curtain van. And they're unloading it. Oh, son of a bitch. I'll just wait. Can't be that long, right? Looks like they're halfway done. Oh, no. Like an hour and a half later, they finish pulling off. I don't like two pallets. Um, <laughs> so stupid like that. But you know what? I, I'm in a good mood. I'm a, no problem at all. I can do some. I, I'm answering emails, you know. And I, I'm making phone mood. calls. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm golden. So I pull around the building. Back into the dock. Cake. Go in. The dude's really cool. He goes, hey, man, can you pull over to this other dock? Because this, this dock over here doesn't work. I said, hey, yeah, no problem, man. So I do that. Go in, use the bathroom. And I tell him, hey, when you're done, holler at me. Figure it's not going to take him very long. Now, the, grab the whole trailer's for them. But, you know, this should be pretty quick. Then here comes the bullshit. Hey, everything we're unloading doesn't line up with the paperwork we have. Now, Thankfully, Purina is how they are. And I said, yeah, yeah, unload it and call Purina. Because they don't let us do anything. Right. They don't, I'm just, I, I just delivered this shit. They right. don't let me call in. It doesn't matter. They don't let me do shit. So that's my saving grace. So, okay. And they unload it all. And then, and, and it takes them forever. This is going to take a minute. Well, I kind of figured they're princess. Um, so they unload it all. And then she comes and says, okay, you're good to go. This is like an hour and a half later. After and, you finally get to the dock. Yeah. Okay. And, and so it's just, no, it all lined up. We just had the wrong paperwork. Oh, that's lovely. Great. Okay. So I take off. I get back to Portland. I pull over to Perina's Mill where I can get fuel. They're out of fuel. Oh, no. Fuck. That screws me for tomorrow. But you know what? That's all right. That's all right. That's cool. I'm still in a good mood. I but brought- doesn't the Jubitz fuel guy go through your lot and fill up? You not, guys too? Nope, not anymore. Oh, I was going to say, I thought I saw him doing it just recently. Mm-mm. Oh. It's been like a month. Oh, okay. Well, that would be recent to me, but no. Right. So then uh, I, I run inside of our shop because we have a shop there on Perina's property. Mm-hmm. And uh, just use the bathroom, take a leak. All right. right. I say hi to my buddy Fred Volts, you know, who plays in a, a, a different band. And uh, I go to take out, take off. Well, they're having a fire alarm. Oh, no. Now, let me point something out. The fire alarm is for Purina employees. I don't work for Purina. I'm just a contractor. True. There's a forklift blocking everything. And <gasps> a fire truck shows up and then gets to leave. And nobody can leave until the end of their freaking fire drill. Oh, no. So me and Fred and the other mechanic there named Anthony, we're just waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally, this numb nuts on the, on the freaking forklift goes, okay. You guys are good to go. Well, thanks. Thanks there, princess. Is that why you were a little later than what we thought? <laughs> oh, yes. And then I get across the street and I drop my trailer and all that shit and get back to the yard and, you know, do my paperwork and fill it out and then uh, right and race home. But, yeah, that's that's the reason. I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. I just want to, I'm not part of this. I don't need a fire drill. Number one, I'm not in kindergarten. <laughs> and number two. <laughs> I don't work for Perina. That's for your employees, man. Let my fat ass go. I got shit to do. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I remember you saying I'm about an hour out. And then it's like I get here and it's like an hour later. And it's like I figured you'd only be like 20 minutes after me. But no. <laughs> no, no, no. Four score and 50 years ago, I was in a fire drill that didn't involve me. <laughs> <laughs> had no, that fire drill had nothing to do with me. Nothing. Nothing. 
I don't. I wasn't work on there. fire. I wasn't smoking. I went nothing. If I was on fire, then I could understand. Like, hey, we got to put him out. All right, no, that's cool. Fire department has to show up. Cool, no problem. That fire drill didn't have jack shit to do with me. <laughs> you poor thing. All I wanted to do was go home. That's it. That's I all. Know. You poor thing. Fuck. It was like it was one thing. So I show up and I turn in my paperwork and Chief White Claws there and he goes, "Hey." kind of run a little bit late i tried to give you the shortest run that i had and i said this is the story he looked at me he goes of course of course it's going to happen to you today said, yeah, of course yep. everything went wrong today yep. as far as you know that, what cost time i mean you still got off really early but yeah. yeah i mean it wasn't my typical 12 hour day or 14 hour yeah. day so that part was cool but still yeah but still no i hear you being a, i'm being a little bitch about this that's what i'm doing you know i'm used to it you're used to a lot of things on I'm Sandy. I'm used to you being a little bitch is what I'm saying. You're used to being on Sandy Boulevard and getting like 50 cents for, for, for a ride. That's what you're used to. Fucking Slutterella. Anyway. <laughs> That's a new one. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'll be here all week. You know, every once in a while you, you get me, I will laugh at your stupid jokes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, because the first time you said Hookerella when we were on the phone with Keith, I was like, oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No. All right, let's end this damn this, this fucking episode, please. <laughs> yes. Jesus yes. Let's Christ. end it. <laughs> this show's copyrighted 2023 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. And if you're hearing this or any portion of this on anybody else's show or podcast, they're lying, thieving bastards. bastards. We will see you guys later. Bye bye. Bye everybody.